Chapter 24 of Countess Erika's Apprenticeship. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Read by Vinay Mala. Countess Erika's Apprenticeship by Osip Shubin. Translated by Annie Sleevister. Chapter 24. When by a long and roundabout way he at last reached his home on foot and walked through the stone-paved, whitewashed corridor looking absently before him, he perceived sitting beneath a mulberry tree the lower boughs of which were covered with the blossoms of a climbing rose an attractive female figure whose golden hair gleamed in the sunlight. She was sitting in a basket chair and was engaged upon a piece of delicate crochet work. She wore a gown of some white woolen stuff, very simply made, and confined at the waist by a belt of russet leather. The sleeves, which were rather short, left exposed not only the wrists, but part of her plump arm, white and smooth as polished marble, and the finely formed throat rose as white and polished from the turned-down sailor collar, beneath which a dark blue cravat was loosely knotted. How deft and skilful, as she worked, was every movement or her rather large but faultlessly shaped hands. She was somewhat stout, but there was a certain charm in that. The broad full shoulders gave an impression of vigour that nothing could subdue. Lozensi could not but admire them. He was amazed. Yesterday there had been shrieks and screams, torn clothes and broken furniture, while today, after a scene that would have made any other woman ill, there was not a trace of fatigue, no dark shade beneath the steel-blue eyes, not a wrinkle about the rather large mouth. What a fund of inexhaustible vitality the woman possessed! What triumphant, healthy vigour! Not a sign of nervousness, of useless agitation, no breath of exaggeration. Ah, she had her good sight. There was no denying it. He sighed and hearing himself sigh, was startled by the turn his thoughts were taking. Was it possible that after a forced companionship of scarcely two days, a companionship of which, when he could not avoid it, he had taken advantage to hurl in the woman's face his hatred and contempt for her, old habits were asserting their rights. She went on crocheting. The sunlight crept down from among the climbing roses and glittered upon her crochet needle. At last it shone in her eyes. She moved her chair to avoid the dazzling glare and, looking up, saw him. Instead of the dark looks she had given him yesterday, she smiled slowly, blinking her strange cat-like eyes in the sunshine and by her smile disclosing a row of pearly teeth. He passed her sullenly as if she had taken an unjustifiable liberty with him and went into the studio wishing to persuade himself that he had a horror of her, that she repelled him. He hoped to feel that disgust for her with which the thought of her had inspired him since love for Erika had filled his heart. But he did not feel the disgust. He lingered for less time than usual before Erika's portrait, which occupied a large easel in the most conspicuous place in the studio and went to his writing table. Several business letters awaited him there. He opened them with an impatient sigh. 
they were for the most part requests for answers to letters received by him weeks previously since he had been in venice his business correspondence in fact his business affairs generally had fallen into terrible disorder he opened the latest letter it contained columns of figures it was the account from his picture dealer he snapped his fingers and sitting down tried to comprehend it in vain the figures danced before his eyes involuntarily he looked up through the glass door of the studio a pair of greenish eyes were gazing at him with an expression of good-humored raillery his heart began to beat fast formerly she had conducted his entire correspondence for him with what perfect regularity and skill before she had taken up the trade of model in consequence of a love affair with an artist she had been a dame de comptoir she was skilled in accounts as a bank clerk he needed but to speak the word and she would reduce all those provoking affairs to perfect order but he would ask no favor of her then she opened the studio door and entering softly laid a warm strong hand upon his shoulder he tried to persuade himself that he disliked the touch of this hand but he did not dislike it it had a soothing effect upon his excited nerves nevertheless he forced himself to shake it off the woman laughed a low gentle laugh the laugh of a cynic she lighted a cigarette and handed it to him saying pavra baby try to rest instead of settling those accounts i will do it all for you in the twinkling of an eye while it would take you until next week this time she did not lay her hand upon his shoulder but stroked his head gently voyance seraphin he said crossly shaking her off she laughed again good-humouredly carelessly with unconscious cynicism before three minutes had passed she was seated in his stead at the writing table and he with the cigarette which she had offered him between his lips was standing lost in thought before arika's portrait how long he had been standing thus he could not have told when he heard a deep voice beside him say see remo fourth tu says saprisati shall you exhibit it i have not made up my mind he replied absently and then he was vexed with himself for answering her she is pretty there's no denying it seraphine confessed i am really sorry to have interfered with your amusement but nothing could have come of it if i am not mistaken you had gone as far as was possible she is one of those who give nothing for nothing and who never invest their capital except in good securities i am sorry i cannot resign these securities to her rusby born yaksun mamu geolorskila von ame dolla question saprisati shark fam poel here lucrezia opened the door and announced that lunch was served in the garden lozensi had firmly resolved never again to sit down to a meal with this woman but before he could say so she began it would be well if you could give them something to talk of again in paris when did you leave in the autumn in october you have no idea what a relief your departure was to the artists there you ought to see the crazy carnival of color held in this year's salon bouchard exhibited a nymph with the fawn quite in your style only yours is flesh and his is putty a poor thing 
but the critics exalted it and gave it a medil d'honneur you had begun to make the artists very uncomfortable they are praising up mere daubers to belittle you doing what they can to knock away the floor from under you but you need only show yourself to recover your ground becard told me lately that he had got hold of quite a new way of looking at things his picture in the salon talking thus she had gone slowly towards the door now she was outside unconsciously he had followed her what has becard in the salon a woman on a balcony after dinner between two different lights on one side candlelight and on the other moonlight half of her is sulfur yellow the other half sea green seta the ho i saw the sketch for that monstrosity in his atelier cried lozensi excited did they accept it she had taken her seat at the tempting table upon which smoked a golden omelet she did not answer instantly did they accept it lozensi repeated accept it why my dear they laud him to the skies they hail him as la messe lozensi had now seated himself opposite her he brought his fist down upon the table confound it he muttered between his teeth you are wrong to be vexed she said he is a good fellow and your friend he told me a while ago with reference to his success it is an way of lozensi that is now standing me instead let me give you some omelet it is growing cold he allowed her to fill his plate two hours later he was pacing his atelier to and fro in gloomy mood he had enjoyed his breakfast and had been entertained by his wife's chatter with infinite skill she lured his fancy back to the old careless good-humored bohemian life in paris he questioned her with increasing curiosity as to the works of his fellows there and she told him stories highly spiced but very amusing stories she peeled his orange for him and when the sun began to shine full upon the table at which they were sitting they drank their coffee in the studio a sensation of intense comfort stole over him but in the midst of it he was conscious of physical uneasiness she looked at him and disappeared with a laugh returning with a pair of easy slippers it was warm his boots were tight he took them off and slipped his feet into the easy shoes she had brought him he felt as if relieved for the first time for a long while of a certain restraint he yawned and stretched himself suddenly he shivered the question suggested itself could he ever allow himself such license in erica's presence he started up the momentarily restored harmony between himself and his wife was interrupted in the sudden change of mood to which in the course of years she had become accustomed he repulsed her actually turned her out of the room rudely angrily again his every pulse throbbed he felt as if he should go mad his revulsion of feeling with regard to erica clothed itself in a new dress it was odious unprincipled criminal to take advantage of the enthusiasm of this inexperienced young creature to drag her down to probable nay to certain misery he went to his writing table he would write to her that for her sake he withdrew from their agreement but scarcely had he written the first word when a wave of passion swept over his soul benumbing his energies 
he knew that he was as powerless to renounce her as he was to carry out any other resolve what did he really want he sprang up crushed in his hand the sheet of paper which his pen had scarcely touched and threw it away once again he stood before the portrait at last with bowed head he went into the next room erica had left there by accident one or two articles belonging to her a lace handkerchief a glove he pressed them to his lips end of chapter 24